Okay, so I'm going to share a message today. I woke up and I've just been hearing this word from the Spirit over and over and over again. And the word that I've been hearing is endurance, endurance, endurance. And so uh, I want to share a little bit about it today because it's a word that people know, but it's not a principle that many live in. It's a word that people know, but it's not a principle that many people actually live in. So, um, you know, it's, it's a well-known idea that life isn't fair. It's a well-known idea that bad things happen and they happen to good people and bad people. It's a well-known idea that, you know, things can be going well and in a minute they can turn around and look very different. So we, we could say that life isn't fair, but God is fair. God is good and God is kind. Amen. And so a lot of people start well, but they finish badly or they don't finish at all. And, you know, I've watched a lot of people make some very big statements in my life and I've checked back on them two, three, four years later and those statements seem to disappear into the mist or the frost of life and they just kind of went with the circumstantial dictates rather than what they felt like God had told them at the beginning. It's really easy to make very big, strong declarations, uh, but it's actually a whole other thing to follow it through. You know, I've started writing books, and in the course of writing a book, there is this intimidating force that there's this overwhelming, insurmountable amount of work to get that book finished. It's easy to start a book, but it's very hard to finish a book. And it requires, uh, and I'm talking about writing the book, and for some of us, it could look like reading the book too. But, you know, it, it, I've, I've started these books and it actually halfway through, you can have the, you can feel like there's this intimidating workload to finish writing. And so I've watched a lot of people and I've watched a lot of things in life where endurance has seemed really good at the beginning, but it's been a very, very difficult and costly thing for people to actually live out. But, you know, just because it's not necessarily something that many people are living doesn't mean that's something that the kingdom doesn't expect of us. So I really want to talk a little bit about endurance today so that we actually have a good understanding of how heaven sees endurance. Amen. And how heaven sees uh, longevity in the things. You know, there's a lot of people, there's a, there's a scripture that I learned very well in my 20s. And I actually learned it because the Holy Spirit rebuked me. And I knew the scripture, but I didn't really understand the weight of the scripture. It's in the book of Proverbs. And it says that, do not, do not um, consecrate something as holy unto the Lord, and then later reconsider your vows. And so what that means is, don't come out and say, this is what we're doing. This is what, this is what God has said. And this is how it's going to be. And then later on, because it gets a little difficult, you retreat. And then now it looks like something different because you had to adjust your statement to the world because your circumstance changed. And, you know, and that's, that really is, we have to understand that God is a God that values every single word. The Bible tells us that every word we ever say is being recorded and we're going to be held accountable for that, which is 
pretty scary because most of us have loose words here and there. Yeah, Most of us say things that we later regret. And so God is a God, you know, like God said, you know, don't use my name as something that you would make covenant with. Use my word. God uses his word, his word as a covenant keeping mechanism. And so when God speaks, this is what it says in the Bible. It says that when God speaks, the word of the Lord goes out to accomplish the very thing that it was sent to do. And it doesn't come back to God until it has accomplished the thing it was sent to do. And so God has never made any statement that he was not 100, 1,000% committed to see fulfilled. So what that means is God has never made one loose statement in his entire being. And yet we can make words uh, so cheap by building a, a lifestyle of saying things that we don't really mean. When, we, when my wife and I first moved to the States, we moved from New Zealand having been freshly married. And we met these really nice people and they're like, oh, you're amazing. We really like you. Let's do lunch. And we thought that meant let's do lunch. But that was their way of just being nice. They didn't really mean let's do lunch. And that took us away. And it was a little heartbreaking at first because we started to realize people are cheap with their words here. And people don't really mean everything they say. And so we, we didn't want to lower our culture because the culture around us was like that, we thought, you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep this culture that we've discovered in heaven, in heaven's kingdom, all the more at the forefront. Now, we're not perfect, but it's been something that we've really gone after. And we're definitely not here to say that we understand every part of heaven's culture, because I don't know about you, but I plan on being on learning for the rest of my life, which means I'm constantly going to be discovering things about heaven that are going to cause me to make adjustments to look more like Jesus than I did before. So, you know, we really started to notice that words are cheap for a lot of people. But in the kingdom of heaven, words are not cheap. When heaven says it's going to do something, it doesn't matter if it takes a hundred years, heaven's going to do something. That's why the Bible says, you know, write the prophecy down on, on a scroll, on a, on a tablet, make it plain and send a runner. Though the word tarries, it will come and it will not delay. So what that means is, is that in a lot of times when God speaks, for instance, or God gives us a prophecy, we believe that we get to dictate when and how that should be. What time that should we We, we listen to God through the filter of our mind, expectations and experience. Instead of saying, okay, God, I understand that you've just said something, but I don't want to presume to put a time period on it. And you should do this by then or else. See, that's presumption. That's really connected to pride and self-will. And we don't want to live in that world because what we do is we say, well, I'll trust God as long as he does it by August 5th. Because if he doesn't do it by August 5th, I'm going to go revert to what I want to do. And that's a very dangerous place to live. So I want to talk about this thing called endurance because endurance is a key to live in a mature place with God and actually partner with him in a healthy way. So I've written down a couple of things here. Where our capacity is weak or short, 
we must call on God to expand and grow our endurance. See, just because we grow up in a territory where people give up easily doesn't mean that it's acceptable for us to turn around to heaven and say, well, heaven, it's kind of like my mother was like this, my father was like this, my community was like this, so I'm, I have a pretty short patience level. I don't endure too much. I know my rights. You see, you know, that's, that's where we reflect the kingdom of the world back to God which actually isn't what God's looking for. He's looking for us to have Christ, Christ Jesus shaped on the inside of us where we start reflecting the kingdom of heaven. Does this make sense? So I've written down the meaning of it here, um, endurance. The fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving up. See, endurance looks like not just waiting in comfort, it also looks like waiting in discomfort. Because there are seasons in our life where it's not ideal. And it's not what we want things to look like or feel like or have a certain reality. And so it's a place, I've written these four things down that we need to have. But the endurance looks like understanding that something either needs to change or arrive or happen, but it hasn't happened yet, so I'm going to hold on, despite my, my present circumstance not being ideal. For instance, I say this a lot, but I'm, I'm going to say it, like, you know, for single people, God has given you a promise of a spouse. And that spouse maybe, maybe or maybe not hasn't been made aware to you at this point in time. Uh, and it's been a long time and you're holding on, believing God for that spouse to come into your life. But just because that spouse has not presented themselves yet doesn't mean you just give up and go and live like the world and just start perusing around, hooking up with different people because something in you has snapped. That is not healthy. There is no endurance there. And because there's no endurance, you can't reap a certain reward because you've taken a diversion. You know, it, it really looks like, you know, I waited patiently for the Lord, David. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the miry pit and he set my feet on a solid rock. And I talked about it three, four weeks ago. I might have been a little longer. But a lot of people read that passage and they overlook, I waited patiently. They just see the part of like God, David crying out to God, help me, I'm in a bad spot. And then God sets his feet on a solid solid rock. It says, I waited, and I didn't just wait with a bad attitude, I waited patiently for the Lord. And so endurance looks like staying in a regal posture in your heart and not acting like a brat, if I could say it like that. Not acting like someone who has no restraint on their emotions and on their own personal self-control. So let's just look at these few things that I wrote down. So the four things that you need to walk in endurance, the four things. There's a couple others, but I'm going to focus on four right now. So number one is knowing God's heart. You need to have a, a vision and you need to have 
hope. So vision and hope come from hearing God and knowing what his perspective is. Now, there's a lot of people that are waiting for things that God's never promised, that they just made up in their minds, and so that's a long wait. It's actually a very long wait, and it's a disappointing wait. Because what I'm trying to say here is that you want to, if you're going to wait, you better be waiting for something that God's actually promised you, that God has actually said that he was going to give you. You don't just get to make something up and saying, well, I'm going to wait for God to do it. You want to be partnering with God and hearing what he wants you to do. Jesus said, I only say the things that I've heard my father say. I only do the things that I've seen my father doing. And we want to live like that. We don't want to just have this kind of Bible bingo, you know, what's it going to be today? This is what I want. I want a red Lamborghini and I'm going to wait patiently for God until he gives it to me. That's just weird. But in, in you know, and it's not, it's, I'm not saying it's bad to want nice things. But what I'm trying to say is, is that it, it is God's will to bless you. But there's, but there's a, 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 on a lot of this stuff, if we really take the time to hear God's heart, then we'll have a weapon to fight with. Paul said to Timothy, he said, Timothy, wage war with the prophecies given to you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you and they prophesied. So Paul was telling Timothy, don't just wage any war, wage a war on something you know heaven is involved with. Wage a war of endurance Hold your ground because heaven has promised you this one thing. Don't be fighting for something that heaven hasn't prophesied because you'll be stepping out from under a certain grace and you likely will suffer loss. But on the things that heaven has promised you, you should wage a good war. Wage a good war because you can't lose. It, it doesn't tell you how long. It just tells you to hold on. And this is the problem. A lot of people will turn up to the battlefield, but not, not everyone's going to fight for the full day. You know, there's people that'll turn... I've watched, you know, movies like Braveheart, and even you can read in the story of Gideon. He gets to the battle, and he turns around to his guys, and he's like, hey, guys, if any of you are scared... See, they were all dressed up for the, for the fight. They had, they had all the armor on. They had their swords. And he turns around and he says, if any of you are scared, go home. Now, God told him to say that. But the point, my, my point is, is that a lot of people make big declarations even for the right thing. And they turn up, but they don't make it to the end. And we aren't those that quit. Okay. I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't quit. Remember the scripture, you, those of you that are dwelling place family, you've heard me quote it a lot of times. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame. Come on, somebody. He endured for the, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured. See, I'm glad that Jesus didn't just get arrested and, you know, um, made to carry a cross up the hill. And then he ascended to get away from the death. I'm glad and I'm so blessed and so are you, whether you realize it or not, that Jesus endured right to the end where he breathed his last. I'm glad that he rose from the dead. He, he endured through his whole assignment and he didn't waver. Come on, somebody. He didn't waver. He stayed on mission. 
And there's something about that that every one of us needs to ask Holy Spirit to adopt and brand into our hearts because we need this type of endurance. Okay, so, so let's, let's talk about it. So the first thing was knowing God's heart and vision and purpose. See, the Bible says without vision, people perish. If you don't know what God is saying, you're fighting a battle that you might not be called to. And if you're fighting a battle that you're not called to, you're wasting time in a place called distraction. And so it's really important that we understand that because, you know, the Bible says this, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. It's the classic scripture that every single person uses. <laughs> hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. It's the classic scripture that anyone that's had sickness or infirmity for a long period of time uses. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. So what we have to do to fuel our hope and endurance is have a vision that understands what God is saying and doing. And once we have that, we just need to hold on without holding the clock of when God should do it. Come on, somebody. We need endurance. And so for endurance, if I'm going to endure something, I want to endure something that God's involved with. Come on, somebody. Okay, even if it's something where the devil's attacked or there's been assignments, I don't really care about the devil. I'm not looking at how great the devil is, although I understand his strategies and schemes. I'm not, a, I'm not aloof to that. I'm very alert to that. But the one I'm looking to is Jesus. Come on. The one I'm looking to is the Father because I want to know what he's saying because if that's the case, then I can endure. Come on. So the second thing, the second thing I need is I need determination and focus. Now, determination and focus come from understanding what God has said to me. When I understand that God is saying, hey, you're going to go through a difficult season, but on the other side of that breakthrough and recompense and acquisition is coming, when I understand that, I brace into the season and I wait for the salvation of the Lord to show up. Now, that means I'm probably going to be uncomfortable. That means I'm probably going to be inconvenienced. That means I might even be slandered. That means that I might be at a place where it looks like there is a loss for a season. It might look like I'm working in vain for a season. It might look like people have abandoned me for a season. But in that process, if I put my shield of faith up and my sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Word of God, and I lock into that season because, number one, I have heard God's perspective and I've seen his heart. From that place, I can then respond with determination that I can, I can wait this thing out and I can trust God and focus, like Jesus, for the joy set before him. What was the joy set before him? Sitting down at the right hand of the Father and hundreds of millions of sons and daughters getting into the kingdom of heaven. That's what the joy set before him was. So from that place, my focus and determination can endure the cross of my moment. Okay, Jesus could have called 12, a thousand legions of angels if he wanted to. That could have wiped out the earth, but he didn't. He endured his season. And so, so we need that. We need to understand, A, I'm just going to keep repeating this so that we let this get into our hearts. We need to know, A, that God, where God is on any matter. 
We need to know what he's saying, what he's doing, and what this looks like. Number two, we need to show up with determination that we can now, because God's with me, who could be against me? So now, you know, I'm, I'm good. With God, with God, all things are possible. I'm good. So even if it's uncomfortable for a season, you know, I, I need to know that it's all going to be okay. And then from that place, because God's spoken to me, I have focus. You know, before I married my wife, there, there was, a, there was a, a girl that I was interested in. And, you know, I sat down with her when we were dating. And I said, look, you know, I need to know that nothing's off the cards for you. I need to know that if God calls us to a mud, a, a, a third world country where we're living in a mud tent or a mud, a mud hut, with a straw roof, are you okay with that? Because for me, I'm open to whatever God wants to say, do, or send. Even if that looks like discomfort and inconvenience. You know, and that kind of statement, that kind of language makes some people very uncomfortable. And they start using words like, oh, you're very unique, or you're very intense, and it, like stuff like that. And what it does is it starts to put labels on people, but that's actually not a label. It's just that, I am sold out to the king, and if he wants me to walk through a difficult season so he can get me to the joy set before me, then I'm going to do it. That's what it looks like. See, we don't really get to pick and choose our seasons. We get to obey the king. We are bond servants bought with a price. Whether you realize that or not, you have been bought with a price. And what that really means is that you're not your own anymore, and that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And if Jesus truly is the Lord of your life, you don't get to make up the narrative, you get to follow his. And so that looks like walking through seasons that aren't necessarily easy because Jesus is more and the Father is more interested in your development than your comfort. Come on, somebody. So in order to get where you're going, you're going to have to walk through difficult seasons. David understood this. That's why he said, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. He understood determination and focus. He understood, I know that it's all going to work out. So I'm okay as long as you're with me, God. I'm okay with, with whatever you want to do, wherever you want to take me, as long as you're with me. So that's point number two. Point number three is patience. This is the hard one. This is where we need to bridle and harness our emotions. This is where a lot of people fall off the boat, fall off the cart. Because unfortunately, what we do is we create boundaries of our limitations with God and we give him control for so long. We say, and this is the classic statement, God is the God of 1159. And I understand why that term was coined. I, I really do. I understand how people have come up with the idea that God is the God of 1159. But to be honest with you guys, God is a lot of the times the God of 4.30 a.m. Okay, it's well after midnight now. It's gone way past 1159, and God's the God of 4.30 a.m. Although to God, God was right on time. To you and to me, God was late. But the problem is, is that our expectation has a cutoff. And we really need to work in the area of patience so that we don't put, well, God, you need to do this by or I'm tapping out. That language actually isn't kingdom language. And that's a hard one to swallow because we like to, we're, we're told and we're really, 
the culture and the and the territory that we live in tells us that we have millions of rights and the reality of that in the kingdom of heaven is that's pretty much not true you have the right to be saved you have the right to give your life for jesus you have the right to obey what he says <laughs> you don't have the right to demand god you do have the right to come before the throne of heaven and make your requests known that's true we're, we're a family but on 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 and and some of that does look like demanding heaven to move but on the timeline of certain things, we don't get to control certain aspects of how God does that and when he does that. We call, we pray, we pull, but there's a timeline delivery. And so patience, if patience is, I'll have, if our language is this, I'm going to be patient for two months and after two months it's over. I'm going to go back to what we're really saying is I'll be quiet for two months and after that time I'm taking my sovereignty back off God. And that's a scary place to be. And it is a, that's a natural human response. And if that's, you know, and l let me just make everyone feel a little better right now. Everyone has those moments, okay? Everyone, myself included, has had those thoughts. But we need to be conformed to the image of Christ that says, like, I, I love Job. Job. Job is a hero to me because Job really is the picture of endurance. Aside from Jesus, he is the picture of human endurance, walking through painful, inconvenient seasons with God while everyone around him is telling him to quit. His own best friend, I mean, you know it's a bad day when your own best friends are saying, just curse God and die. This is the worst. This has just gone south. Your children have died you were a multi-gazillionaire and all of your businesses have just fallen over. You've lost everything. And here you are, riddled with boils and all kinds of sicknesses afflicting your life. This is the worst. You should probably just die. Like, that's, that's not the counsel we need. And, but, and yet, I love Job's response where he says, even if God causes me to die or if he strikes me dead, I will not curse him. I'll still worship him. See, and that, that looks like faith. That looks like a grounded emotional wheelhouse that is able to walk through a season that everything on the outside is telling you and telling me this is terrible this is uncomfortable. I want to quit. And I just want to say this. It's okay to have moments where you want to quit. Just don't let that start becoming something that comes out of your mouth. Because if you start saying it out of your mouth, you're going to talk yourself out of a season. So coming back to this point number three is this thing called patience. It's learning to be self-controlled. Where you are able to quietly control. It's okay to feel those emotions. But if you let those emotions overtake you, they will steal seasons of future joy set before you away from your future. So it's really, you know, Jesus, Jesus said, you know, Father, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me. He was voicing that he was not comfortable with how things were, were turning out. And, that, you know, and he tells his guys, you know, I could call all these legions of angels to come and just totally save the day. But while that was a reality... It wasn't an option, okay? Because if we're truly going to walk as sons and daughters of God, we have to start walking from a place of patient obedience that doesn't put a timeline stopwatch on God, 
okay, where we let God actually be God and we're his trusting children. I hope this is really helping someone today. So that was point number three. And the, and the fourth point of what we need to walk with endurance is two things, is peace and grace. You know, have you ever got to the other side of a difficult season and everything started to break open, but you got there having kicked and screamed the whole way through, complained, just murmured, being miserable, being horrible. You didn't even want to be in your own company. It was so bad. Like, it was just horrible. You just spilled out negativity and doubt and depression to everyone you talked to, and you just brought, and it was just painful. And you get to the other side of the season, and you kind of have this overwhelming kind of condemnation and shame because you realize you didn't walk through it with peace and grace. And there's something where there's just this beautiful dignity where we can ask God to bring a grace and a peace over us that even if the environment is uncomfortable, we walk with grace and peace through a difficult season. So they're the four things that we really need that I've identified. I'm sure there's others. But they're the four things that we need. So knowing God's heart, having determination and focus, having uh, patience to, to walk it out, and then peace and grace. You want to walk through seasons with dignity. It's okay to be hurting. It's just not okay to be so uh, miserable that doubt and depression and darkness just start coming out of you because you know you don't know how to control your emotions. And look, can I just say this? On each one of these four things, I guarantee you there's an area that you don't feel like, man, that's not one of my strong suits. That's not an area that I'm great at. Here's the good news. We can take it to God and say, God, I've really not done well in this area. Or maybe all four of them. Maybe it's just, God, I've been a train wreck in these areas. Whenever difficult seasons come, I just get my toys and throw them all around the room. It's just really bad. I'm just act like a toddler. Okay? This is the beautiful part about it. We can go to God and say, God, I just really need you. I, I, I really ask that you would just teach me how to walk in grace. Teach me how to let your peace guard my heart and mind, where you would show me how I can walk with kingdom dignity through difficult seasons. Amen? So I hope this is helping someone today. I'm going to read some scriptures, and uh, we're just going to walk through this. Look, guys, God wants you, a lot of the times, difficult seasons are prerequisites for breakthrough seasons. Difficult seasons where we have to walk through with endurance are actually tests so that we get to a season of the things that we've actually been believing for or that have been promised to us. So I'm going to read some scriptures to us real quick. Um, I'm going to read out of the, the book of Luke, chapter 14. Luke, chapter 14, and I'm going to start in verse 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he has enough to finish it lest after he has laid the foundation or the, or the concrete floor, he is not able to finish. And all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this is the man, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to war, to make war against another king, does not first sit down and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 men or 10,000 soldiers, to meet the other king that's coming against him with 20,000 soldiers? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he will have to send a delegation 
and, and with conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's what Jesus was saying. So, you know, recently I've, I've seen a couple of houses. I've been driving out to, to uh, look at some land that I've been considering. And I've seen a couple of houses on the way out there where they started really well. They got the structure up but they never were able to close in the house. You've got all the wood framing that's been out in the weather for a couple of years. And now everyone just sees the house that could have been, but never was. Because the house project was started, but for whatever reason, there was no endurance to finish the house. And now it is just a, a pile of rubble of wasted materials. And you see, that looks like our lives when we start seasons and we come out with a great bang and like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to conquer that. God's going to do this for us. And God's told us that. And we get into the season and we lose endurance. You see, that's something that I think our generation, we can really, really focus on is to actually start to contend for endurance where we don't just become great starters. There are so many startup businesses right now it's insane. And I, I, I don't have the statistics in front of me. I didn't think to gather them beforehand. But there is a massive percentage of startup businesses that fail. Matter of fact, I think they, I saw something to the effect of uh, nine out of 10 startup businesses fail in the first two years. Now, that's crazy. Nine, that's 90% of startup businesses fail in the first two years. Now that tells you that there was a great idea at the beginning, but there was not enough gas in the tank to have endurance to get through the difficult early period and make it into a season of stability. And that looks like our lives, guys. That's why the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. There are people that like, remember the rich young ruler, he, he saw that this was a great thing and he walks up to Jesus, he's I've got all this stuff going for me. Everything's really cool. I'm a rich dude. I've got all this stuff. I'm a ruler. And Jesus is like, well, go and sell everything and you can come be a part of this. And his joy turned to sorrow like that because he didn't want to endure to the full cost being expended of his life. So, so let's keep reading. You know, another thing that I've observed is, uh, before I go to the next scripture, is, seeing as we're talking about Mother's Day, is... is Mothers are mothers because they have walked through pregnancy. And pregnancy is conceived in a moment, and yet it takes nine months of discomfort and inconvenience at times. It takes this feeling where at the end of the pregnancy, I can tell you uh, just from our house, and I know this is true for most mums, that by the end of the pregnancy, there is just, so much baby there and the mum has just a huge bump in her tummy it's just like at a point where it's like man this baby just needs to get delivered but it can't be done that you are literally trapped in a season until that birthing is completed and so it, the, the season of pregnancy invites you into an exciting future but an inconvenient present and and, and it takes endurance and patience and calmness and peace and all those things we've just talked about and, and the vision, everything we talked about and grace to, to calmly walk through that nine months to that moment of birthing. But I can tell you this, 
that in the moment of birthing, all of that inconvenience and pain is forgotten because there's this joy of a baby that has now just consumed and filled everyone's heart with love that causes the new season to be initiated. But it took a season of endurance to get to that place of joy. And a lot of us, what we've done is we've actually, I really feel this real strong, a lot of us have just gone from season of endurance to season of endurance and season of endurance. And, and it's causing hearts to be sick because what happens is, is if you don't pass certain tests, you get to go around the mountain again. And that's why I would rather endure a season of, of, of difficulty and inconvenience and even discomfort to make sure that I discipline my emotions not to quit. Those of you that are around me know that I'm not a quitter. It's even hard for me sometimes to quit on stuff that is starting to look like it's not maybe the right thing, if it's a business deal. Like for me, like I really, once I commit to something, I'm in and like, you know, I really have to work with God. Okay, now I need to let that go. I need to let that person go or whatever that looks like. So, but for me, once I lock in, I'm loyal to the death. And that's just something that is true about me, but that's something that has been developed. And it's something where endurance has to be an attribute of our lives to inherit. See, there's, there, there's not different rules because you have a different personality type. We have to conform to God's model, not the other way around. And so there, there's this whole idea that, you know, we don't get to, like Jesus said this, he goes, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through this process of me and talking about himself. So, you know, if we're going to get there, we have to stop sabotaging seasons where we come into difficulty and we look for a way out. And then we wonder why the breakthrough hasn't come. And then we get invited into another season of difficulty and we, and we figure a way out. And all we're really doing is we're kind of becoming like Jacob who was always hustling and swindling and trying to be in control of the seasons and the situation, always trying to come out on top. And while that has a slightly good attribute, it actually has an attribute, the, the, the most dangerous part of the attribute of Jacob in the Old Testament was that he was always trying to manipulate the situation. But a lot of, if Jesus didn't manipulate the situation, so he stayed faithful to his season and endured through it when he talking about the cross. We're going to get to that in a minute. But but with, with Jacob, you can constantly see that there was this manipulating. So, so the goal here is that some of us need to actually face off with some of these Goliaths in our lives and that we get to the promised land by going through the process that God's laid out. And we've got to stop sabotaging our future by looking to sidestep our present. Come on, somebody. I know this is a word for somebody. Okay, so I'm going to keep reading here. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3. Matthew chapter 24. I've only got a couple of more scriptures and then we're going to land. But I really feel like this is a great word for somebody. Now, this is actually a very... Jesus was speaking about the future, but I really feel like it's a great word for the season that we're in right now. Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to read from verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives... The disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them and said, Take heed that no one deceives you. See, we should be primarily focused on the voice of God 
and not the, are not any kind of distraction. We need to get so rooted and grounded in the voice of God that no one can distract us. For many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and many and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Um, see that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes. Okay. Sound familiar? Does this sound familiar? Famines, pestilences and earthquakes. Pay attention, guys. Come on. We need it. Jesus actually rebuked the Pharisees. He's like, you guys understand times and se uh, uh, the, the, the natural seasons, but you don't understand times and seasons. So we need to really pay attention to the times and the seasons that we're living in. <clears throat> so there'll be um, famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. And then it says, and they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. We've got to deal with our offense with each other now before this stuff starts going on. We really need to work on our hearts now so that little things don't set us off. See, we need to die to ourselves more. You can't offend, it, you can't offend a dead person. Come on, somebody. When we're dead to ourselves, you can't be offended. Okay. They will betray one another and they will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because, of lawless, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Watch this. But he, but she, who endures to the end, shall be saved. You see, so all of these things, and I know that what I've just read to you is very, very intense, but the reality is, is these scriptures we need to not brush by. We need to pay attention to these scriptures, and we need to actually start to zone in and look at them and let them start to cause us to be alert of times and seasons. But what Jesus is saying is all these things, famines, pestilences, people betraying you, false prophets rising up, deception, people being so lawless that their hearts would go cold, grow cold towards God. But what he's saying is you've got to get past all of that stuff. That stuff cannot dilute you. It cannot contaminate you. It cannot water you down like, it, like Sodom did to, uh, to Lot. You have to endure with potency to the end. Come on, somebody. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to the nations, and then the end shall come. Come on, somebody. See, we're not just going to preach certain things on how you can have a better life. We're going to talk about end times and things like that. So we need to talk about this stuff. Endurance is more crucial now than ever before because there's more things contending for your attention than ever before. Okay, now let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to read from verse 35. I'm going to land in the next few minutes. Just, I want you to stay with me a little bit longer. This is good stuff. This is the stuff that causes us to be alert against the schemes of the enemy. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. See, confidence keeps you in a strength of endurance. It 
fuels your... When you know the vision of God, you have confidence. When you have confidence, you can give all to stay in, in a place of endurance. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. Come on, somebody. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. See, it's exactly like what was said about Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured. Here it's saying you have need of endurance so that after you've obeyed the will of God, you receive the promise. Come on, somebody. This is beautiful. We need endurance. Okay, now come over with me, please, to the book of Hebrews chapter 12, just a couple of chapters over. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I've preached about this before, so I don't have time to go into this. Uh, because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're called to run with endurance, not with stopping and starting. Don't be, if you guys ever hear that little story when you were a kid, the story of the tortoise and the hare, the tortoise and the hare, the, the hare just believed that it was such a special animal that it could like run on this race between the tortoise and the hare. And the hare would just run, it would sprint off and then it would stop and have a cup of tea. And the tortoise was just slowly but consistently moving. The hare had all these explosive moments, but it didn't have longevity and endurance. It didn't have stamina is the right word. Now, if you come with me, please, over to uh, the book of Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up into heaven that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. So Jesus was going about all over Israel doing all kinds of miracles and teaching and signs and wonders but in the process, he knew that Jerusalem is where he was going to be crucified as the ransom for many. And so there came a point where the Bible says that he set his face and he started to become focused because he knew that was a place of great pain and suffering for him, but he also knew that was the place of his mission. And so his whole life had culminated into this moment and he was now focused to go to Jerusalem. So, so I want to show you the reference. This is a, a reference out of the book of Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 7. I'm going to read this real quick. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 7. For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Guys, we've got to learn how to walk through difficult seasons with dignity. We have to walk through seasons. You know, I've watched it and I'm not trying to shame anyone or make anyone feel bad. But there have been so many people that were talking a really big game, Christians talking a real big game, and this virus thing showed up, and those same people freaked out of their minds, full of fear, you know, terrified. And there, there needs to be a dignity and a peace where we walk through seasons. And I'm not talking about throwing wisdom away. I'm not saying that at all. I'm talking about walking with dignity and wisdom and focus because we've been with Jesus, not the counsels of men. Okay, so uh, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7. 
for the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. I can walk through a difficult season and not let disgrace and shame get on me. Come on, somebody. It's not going to get on the inside of me. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. Like a flint. So you can imagine almost like the picture that, the, that Isaiah is writing here. I've set my face like an arrowhead. I'm pointing in the direct direction, the exact direction that I'm called to be walking in. And I know that I will not be ashamed. So this is referencing now, Jesus was, um, and sorry, the book of Luke was now referencing this scripture, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7, and saying now Jesus is now setting his face. He's setting his face like a flint, like an arrowhead, to do the will of the Father in Jerusalem, which was to lay his own life down as a ransom for many. Now, in that process, Jesus had to stay on mission. Now, the, the classic thing that's used while we're called to do something is actually this one thing. And I've written this, this little statement down that I really felt Holy Spirit impressed upon me. The enemy of endurance is options, is options. And we live in a generation where options are at a premium. Options are at a premium. Options are at a premium with what kind of jobs you can do. Options are at a premium with who you can date and who you can marry. Options are at a premium right now for what you want to eat for dinner. Options are at a premium for anything you could possibly think of. Options are at a premium. There, there is such a, you know, like the internet has changed the way that people think. If I don't like something, I'm like, for instance, if I don't like the way the preacher preaches it, I can go online and find another preacher that's got a different angle on it, and I'll go with that because that's an option, you know? And so, so, and I'm not talking about bad doctrine. I'm talking about like healthy stuff. We've learned how to be distracted with options, but endurance has no options. You see, someone that is a, a bondservant of the king has no other options other than obedience. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, maybe I'll go to Judea instead of Jerusalem. He said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and that is where my calling is. And so this thing, like, this thing called endurance looks like when you get into something or God puts you in a season, you don't rework the language to make you look good because it got uncomfortable, you changed your mind, you had second thoughts, you saw a better option, you know, like... I've, I've had friends that were dating one girl in life and then they saw a different girl that looked better so they dropped her so they could get her. I've seen married couples do that and it's horrible. We, we need to get back to a place where commitment and covenant looks like endurance. It looks like loving each other. Like, you know, that statement says when people, you know, the classic uh, wedding vows, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. I'm going to stay on point with you. My wife and I have that in our marriage, and we have that commitment to each other. You know, and so I'd really encourage you right now, God is calling you, whatever season you're in, where we are to walk, whether that's a difficult set, well, I don't really like it right now because it doesn't feel good to me. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. And most of the great people that did anything good for God, anything amazing and notable, walked through notable seasons of in, uh, inconvenience, difficulty and discomfort but on the other side of that there was so much joy breakthrough and purpose but we have to learn that the desert qualifies us for the palace the desert qualifies us for purpose the desert qualifies us to be used by God or to get that breakthrough and so it's learning Paul said it like this and I love it 
Paul said, he said, I've learned to be abased with nothing and I've learned to be abound with everything. And in all things, I, I'm, what he's basically saying is in all things I maintain the same posture. I don't all of a sudden get really loud because I'm doing well financially, but I'm real quiet if I've had a bad hit. I don't, I don't all of a sudden shrink back into my, you know, my voice with God because I've gone through a difficult financial season, but when I start making money, I get real loud again. That, that's not endurance. That's called uh, uh, starving something out or waiting out or kind of just you know, sitting in a state of dormancy until things are better and I can qualify myself. No, well, if, if there's a sin issue, yeah, maybe there does need to be, uh, from a ministerial level, if someone's a minister and they've got sin in their life, they need to back up for a minute and have a healing. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if someone's going through difficulty, we're not called to back up and wait in a hibernative sense until things have gotten to breakthrough. We're called to be consistent in season and out of season. Come on, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. Not just when you're doing well, but when you're not feeling great about it, when you're not comfortable, when you're not convenienced. So I just really want to encourage us, man. Like, I really believe that God is calling us to step into greater levels of endurance, that we would start walking consistently in convenience and inconvenience, that we, we become immovable. We, we actually are known as those that will not bow. We, we know, we're known as those that won't compromise, that will stay on mission, stay on assignment, because in a minute, for the joy set before us, us enduring difficult seasons will cause breakthroughs and blessings and promise to be released us over us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Okay, so we're going to take up the offering right now. I'm going to come to a close uh, with that message. I really pray it's, it's blessed you. But right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Father, that you just, let's just pray. In the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Father, that you just cause us to start stepping into phenomenal endurance. That Holy Spirit, in the areas where we quit easily, we've learned to give up real easy, God, or we've just got to the place where it's like, if it's difficult, we, that we don't feel like we're called to that. Holy Spirit, I just release you right now to move into a season where you start to reshape our fortitude. You start to reshape, reshape our endurance and our capacity. That we would start calling out to heaven. That in the places that we don't feel comfortable, that we would start to be uh, at peace and walking in grace and dignity, even in seasons of great discomfort, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, on the other side of this, there's a, a much stronger church is going to emerge and arise. In the name of Jesus.